0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I don't know about you, but I have just loved this series called The Unseen. And uh, we did this intentionally. This is a time of year where I think our culture is a little more focused on what we can't see. And so we have enjoyed this series. How many of y'all thought Marcus McFoling was incredible last week? That was phenomenal. I was like sending him pictures of what God was doing at the altar and he was just so blown away. And um, I I encourage you, keep talking with people as you process through what you left at the altar. But today, I get to finish up this series and I'm really excited. Actually, I I wanna start by just asking you this question. Have you ever been ghosted? You ever been ghosted? Like, Let me explain if you're unfamiliar with the term. Uh, Like, You have a great relationship with somebody. You're really tracking. You've got a connection. Every time you text them, they text you right back. I mean, you just have a flow with each other. But then, maybe because of a misunderstanding, a miscommunication, an awkward thing that happens, a disagreement, all of a sudden, they're not returning your texts anymore. They're leaving you on read. You just haven't heard from them, and it's months and months and months you've been ghosted. Well, as I was preparing for this message, I kind of felt this idea swirling around in my heart, and it's this. I wonder how many of us have ghosted the Holy Ghost. And maybe it's because of some awkward things that we've seen happen in the name of the Holy Spirit. That never happens in church, right? Maybe it's because of people who did some weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. That never happens in church, right? And I always, my dad always says this. People that do weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit, don't blame the Holy Spirit. They were weird before they met God. You know what I'm saying? It's just true. But, but for whatever the reason, maybe because of some kind of discomfort or misunderstanding with who the person of the Holy Spirit is, we kind of have come to the conclusion that, hey, I'm cool with God as a father. I get God as Jesus, but God as a ghost, I don't know. And it's a shame because when you look at the person of the Holy Spirit, he is present in all of these incredible moments throughout the history of the Bible. Think about this. He's present at creation. The spirit of God hovered over the waters of the deep. In Romans, it says it was the spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So he was present in the tomb when Jesus was resurrected. It was the force, the power of the Holy Spirit. He has been present in all of it, and he was for sure present in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room. And so, For whatever the reason, I think so many people are missing out on what God wants to do in their life through the Holy Spirit, and it's interesting because the Holy Spirit is just as much a part of the Trinity as God the Father and God the Son. Now, this this is an interesting statement that Jesus makes before he ascends into heaven. It's kind of wild. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Remember, Jesus has... He has absolutely blown the minds of the disciples. He has turned the world upside down. He's healing people left and right. The world does not look the same after Jesus has been there. And then he makes this unthinkable statement. He says, it's actually better for me to go than for me to stay. And the disciples had to be shaking their heads. What does Jesus mean here? What could that possibly mean and how could that possibly be true? But this is what he says in John chapter 16, verse seven. But very truly I tell you, It is for your good that I am going away because, here's the why, because unless I go away, the advocate or the helper, another translation says, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so in other words, Jesus is saying it's impossible for something better to come unless I leave. And we'll unpack that today because it's quite a statement. But I want you to see what else Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. This is in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And while they were gathered together, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father has promised. And I love that it uses that wording. It says, wait, because there's more. God has this gift called the Holy Spirit. Now, let me try to give you an example that I think will maybe explain what God is doing through Jesus in this conversation. What if you were to say, hey, you know what? I really love Joe Jr. And I want to bless him. And so... I'm gonna give him a really cool gift. And, uh, and I, I know what I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him an iPad Pro, the newest one. And uh, it's, it's got all the bells and whistles. It's the best version, most space and storage. It's everything that he could ever want. And so you get the iPad Pro and you wrap it up and it's really nice and you come and you bring it to me and I say, thank you so much. Oh, blesses my heart, thank you, that's amazing. But then I proceeded to never take it out of the box. And on top of that, not only did I not take it out of the box, but then I started using it as a cutting board or a coaster or a plate for my food. Now, why does that sound so silly and so ridiculous? Well, it's because it was made for so much more than that. So much more. It would it would honestly be unthinkable because this is the one one of the most powerful Amazing pieces of equipment that has ever been created. And to think of the untapped power and potential that would be sitting in that box that I never had the joy of experiencing, even though it was in my possession. And I think this is a beautiful picture of what happens in so many Christians' lives in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. We've received the Holy Spirit on the day of our salvation. We're on our way to heaven, and we're living with this untapped power and potential. And whether it's because of the stigma of what we've seen other people do in the name of the Holy Spirit or just a misunderstanding of how he operates, we are missing out on so much more that God is wanting to do in your life. I just want you to real quick turn to your neighbor and just say this with some confidence. Just say, there is more. Say it like you believe it. Now, turn to the person next to you and say it like you really mean it. On the other side, say, there is more. It's beautiful. There is more. I just thought it'd be helpful to list a couple of things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. This is straight from the Scripture. We're familiar with how God the Father works. We're familiar with how God the Son works. Let me remind you of what God the Holy Spirit does. He's a comforter. When I'm at a funeral, this is one of the biggest verses that I like to remind us of. The Holy Spirit comforts us as we walk through pain and affliction. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in all truth. In other words, when I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. The Bible says that he is the seal of my salvation placed on the inside of me, that I'm actually the house of the Holy Spirit the minute that I give my life to Jesus. How incredible is that? And so all of these things are true. How about this? We often think of the Holy Spirit culturally. I mean, anytime you call something a Holy Ghost, it makes us almost think that the Holy Spirit is just this endoplasmic blob just floating around, just this energy, this force, but it's deeper than that. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit, therefore, has a personality. You can please the Holy Spirit, and you can offend the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about, for Aaron and I, this moment, I have not grieved the Holy Spirit, to my knowledge, many times in my life, but I can remember one moment where I grieved the Holy Spirit I remember Aaron and I had been dating long distance, and I was so excited that she moved to Warren finally. I was with my girlfriend. I knew we were going to get married at some point, and then God starts, wouldn't you know it, God starts saying, "Uh uh-uh, not yet. She needs to go to Bible college, and you're not called to Bible college. He said, I want you to stay at Youngstown State, and so I just remember wrestling with that, And, and so she was getting ready to enroll, and I remember this one day in particular where I was just not being my best self spiritually, and I was trying to talk her out of following what God was calling her into. Anybody ever been there? And I remember it was late at night, and I was getting ready to drive her home. We're in the kitchen at my parents' house, and I said, you're not going to go to Rhema, are you? You're not going to go to Bible college. And she said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I can't explain it other than just immediately we both knew we grieved the Holy Spirit. And I'm not much of a crier, and she's really not either. And we just started weeping. And we immediately shifted our perspective and said, God, not my will, but your will be done. And there was this thing that God did through the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit operates in so many different ways in our life, and there's so many different descriptions of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorites is wind. You see, God described the Spirit as wind. Actually, when you look in the Old Testament and the New Testament, some of the words that are used to describe and call out spirit, they're interchangeable with wind and breath. So in the Old Testament, in Genesis, when God breathes the breath of life, it's the word ruach, and it literally means spirit or wind or breath. And then in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, it's a similar word. It's different because it's in the Greek, but it's the word pneuma, and it's the same kind of word picture. It's the spirit, the wind, the breath of God. And so This is interesting because wind is the ultimate unseen force, isn't it? As we're in this series called The Unseen. Billy Graham, uh, when he was asked, how could you believe in a God that you couldn't see? He famously asked another question. He said, have you ever seen the wind? Yet still you believe in it. No, I see the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. Earlier this month, Aaron was getting ready to go on a little trip to Florida And uh, of course, it happened to be the week right before Hurricane Ian blew through. And where she was going was going to be in the path of Hurricane Ian. So we spent a lot of time like just on the news, just looking at like what's happening. And one of the things that was striking to me is uh, as we were looking at the before and after pictures of these beach towns, I could just tell you this. I couldn't see the wind, but I could for sure see the effects of the wind. I could know a hurricane has been here. And really, this is how the wind of the Holy Spirit works in our life. We can't always see God in person. We we are made in the image of the invisible God. But we can know that God in his spirit is at work. And we can look at our life and look at situations and look at problems. And we can say the wind of the Holy Spirit has been here. I, I uh, I like what Max Lucado says. He says, you can either be a sailboat or a rowboat. It's your choice. And I think so many of us are kind of rowing through life just in our own power, just trying to get through situations and get through trials, and God is trying to say, I've given you a gift that is so much more than that, and all you have to do is put up a sail and let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow through your life, and I could do something incredible. So call me Al Roker, because I have a weather update. Today, there is a wind advisory at Believer's Church. Is anybody with me? I just believe that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to blow through this place, I believe he wants to do something incredible. Maybe I'm more like Al Joker than I am Al Roker, but I'll take either one. I like what Billy Graham said. He said, there's a mystery to it. This is John 3.8. He's just preaching the Bible. The wind blows wherever it wants. In other words, there's no controlling the Holy Spirit. There's only cooperating with him. There's only flowing with the Holy Spirit. And just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So here's my prayer. My prayer today is that if the Holy Spirit has always been kind of like that crazy uncle at Thanksgiving that you don't really talk about much until you, you know, see him once a year at a special event or hear someone mention him, I pray that today it would become personal with the person of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that in my life every day, I, I think most of you would agree I'm not weird most of the time. And, uh, but I pray in the Spirit daily. And I have seen God move through gifts of the Spirit. And, and one of these days, I would love to do a whole series. We do them every so often where we just talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I just want you to get the full. I don't want you to get to heaven one day and find out, man, I missed out on one third of what God could do for me. I missed out on how God could empower me. I missed out on how God could lead me and guide me. I missed out on how God could comfort me, and all of it happens through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what else we want to do today. We're in this series called The Unseen, and I want to just talk a little bit about the counterpart to the Holy Spirit, maybe more specifically, counterfeits. So we've talked a little bit about the enemy and how he works. I might dive a little bit more uh, uh, deep into some specifics And um, I forgot to say this, if you've got kids in here and they're, uh, you know, like they're young and impressionable and you're worried about them, you could take them to be kids or out to the lobby. I don't think it's going to get too spooky, but I am going to cover a couple of topics that I think will be helpful uh, because I I don't want to sanitize this conversation. But it's interesting when you look at America and you look at where we've come from as a nation, one of the things that you have seen a trend in, in this direction is that we've moved from a religious place to a spiritual place. And so more and more, people are identifying not as religious, but as spiritual. And so here's here's the challenge. If the church doesn't give the world the supernatural, then the world will give the world the supernatural. And so I think we have to talk about this. It's important. There was a recent study where church leaders and volunteers and staff leaders were asked by the thousands, do you think demons can impact culture? And over 80% said yes. Then they asked them, do you believe demons can impact people's lives? Over 80% said yes. But listen to this. The third question was, are your churches and pastors talking about this enough? And 78% said no. And so I just pray at Believer's Church, we would never be accused of talking about just a few things and missing out on something that really matters because we're fighting against an enemy and we wrestle not against flesh and blood and we want to make sure that we're equipping you to go Uh, to go and fight the kingdom of darkness and be aware of how it operates. And so we're going to just go there for just a few minutes. I want to just give you three ideas. Here's the first one. And it's going to sound so obvious, but I did it on purpose. The first one is this. Darkness is different than light. Aren't you glad you came to church for such deep revelation today? (laughs) Darkness is different than light. And, um, you know, we live in a world and in a culture of confusion and sometimes we, we fail to call things for what they are. And so I just want to real quick lay out a case for why darkness is different than light. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. This is important. It's talking about you. It's talking about me as a follower of Christ. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. In other words, there ought to be something different about a Christ follower. We live in the world, but we look different than the world because darkness isn't light. And at one time, I think in America, we were really good at calling things what they were. If you go back 60, 70 years, you would hear people say things like this and not get canceled. That's good. That's bad. You know, that's evil. That's righteous. That's a man. That's a woman. I'm just saying like this is this is the world that we live in. I'm not trying to be inflammatory. I'm just pointing out the obvious. But I I can trace back to even maybe a specific movie where there were these subtle little seeds that were planted in our society. I want you to just take a look at what I mean. The Wizard of Oz. Now listen, I love The Wizard of Oz, okay? I love Somewhere Over the Rainbow as much as the next guy. It's a great movie. It's a classic. But I want to point something out. This is the first movie where there was a wicked witch and a what? And a good witch. Ooh, that's Interesting. where where we just kind of subtly started to call something that the Bible, that God would say, that's not good, that's darkness, we started to call it light. And now, fast forward 60, 70, 80 years, however long it's been, and the enemy doesn't even try to hide things anymore, right? Like, it's just out there. We out here. You know what I mean? It's the streets is wild out here in the world today. Can I just take you back to Sunday school for a minute, though? Like, just remember back in Sunday school, if you grew up there, I'm just going to say something so obvious, but it needs to be said. God is good, and the devil is bad. Like, there was a group called the W's when we were growing up, and they had a song, and this is the chorus. You are the devil, and the devil is bad. Yeah, you are the devil, and the devil is bad. Like, I mean, it was just, I loved it. But we need to hear this a little bit more in our world, don't we? This is what Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Now, I want you to think about how crafty the enemy is. He, sl- he slips these things in. What is the mantra of our culture? Hey, just do it the way you want to do it. Just live your truth. If it makes you happy, it must be good. You do you, boo. This is, this is the mantra of our culture. And all that, although that sounds nice, on surface level. Can I just remind you? I mean, this reminds me of something that happens right off the bat in the Bible. It reminds me of the conversation that that slithery little serpent had with Eve. Hey, may, maybe what God was saying isn't exactly what you think it means. And, and it's just one bite and it's not going to hurt anything. And he just doesn't want you to be like him. Just just eat it. Just do it. It'll make you feel better. It'll it'll help you to become your truest self. It's a lie as old as creation, I think about people like Alistair Crowley, and he was a famous occultist in the early 1900s, and he had a huge influence on Anton LaVey, who is the founder of the Church of Satan. And do you know what the Church of Satan's mantra is? It's do what thou wilt. It hasn't changed for 6,000 years or however long it's been since the Garden of Eden. It is the same thing. If, if it makes you happy and it doesn't hurt anybody, then do it. And I just want to call darkness what it is. We've got to be careful not to call darkness light and light darkness. And, and here's why. Because the enemy, Pastor Joe talked about this earlier in the series, he comes disguised as an angel of light. And so sometimes it might even look good. But if it doesn't come in agreement with God's word, then we don't want any part of it. we be—we got to be careful. And I want to make this point. Here's why this is so hard for us sometimes to identify. It's because the devil, this is how he works. His darkness comes with a dimmer switch. His darkness comes with a dimmer switch. Can I tell you something? When you walked in here today, it was probably kind of hard to see, wasn't it? But the longer you stayed in this environment of darkness, the easier it was to see in the dark. And something that used to offend your senses and something that used to make it difficult to see it's almost like I'm just kind of desensitized by it. I've just, I've just grown accustomed to the darkness. And I just wonder, is this something that maybe is happening in God's church sometimes? Even in people that love Jesus, that we just kind of get desensitized by the things that we see. Here's a litmus test. Look at the music and the media that you're consuming. It kind of just shocks me now. It just kind of blows me away at some of the mainstream artists that are in the top 20 on the charts And when you go to their concerts or you see their music videos, they are practicing occult-like things. I mean, there are just pagan worship ceremonies happening on the stage, and people are worshiping and singing to their songs, not even thinking about it. And how crafty of the enemy who was a worship leader in heaven to use people and use music and just get people to just kind of run to the rhythm of hell with just a beat. It's hypnotic. They just, he just gets them to just do whatever he can, just with the beat. And listen, I mean, it's, it's people that we like. It's people that are talented. But I want you to just start looking at the artists we're consuming, Lil Nas X. I mean, it's, it's not just like a little bit dark. It's like satanic. Nicki Minaj, it's satanic. How, how about, listen, I think Beyonce is as amazing as the next person. But when one of her lyrics is talking about using the word of God, the scriptures, as a tampon, we got to be careful. Because darkness is not light, and light is not darkness. And I pray there would be today a return to sensitivity to the light of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for us as a church, that we would have a return to sens- sensitivity. God's not mad at you. If, if you're listening to some of that stuff, this is how God turns the lights on, just one little step at a time. He doesn't do it with shame or condemnation. It's conviction. It's conviction. It's just like, oh, man, that used to bother me. I used to be sensitive. That image used to make me uncomfortable. Those words used to make me uncomfortable, but I've been desensitized to the darkness. So, Lord, create in me a clean heart. I want to be in the light. Remember DC Talk? As you are in the light. Come on. This is what God's asking. All right, here's the second point. Number two, darkness does have power. I just want to make that point. Darkness does have power. Like, can, counterfeits can work. And so often people ask me like, Joe, do I need to be worried about Satan? Do I, do I need to like focus on him? Because so many of us have seen people that are hyper focused on him and spiritual warfare can sometimes be off putting and uncomfortable. And we all know the person that sees a demon behind every bush, you know, they get to somewhere late and they're like, it was the devil that made it happen. You know, it was the car demon. And, and you're kind of like, no, it was like the not changing your oil demon. You know what I mean? Like, let's be honest here. You know, we've all been there, but There's so many examples I can choose from. Let me just give you one. Remember when God gives Moses a staff and he says, I'm going to turn this staff into a serpent and I'll do signs and wonders through this to prove my power. And then remember when he goes into the Pharaoh's court and he says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. What does Pharaoh do? He has magicians. They practice the dark arts and they do the same miracle. And so darkness does have some power. They can have some impact in our life. But here's what Ephesians 6.12 says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, in other words, what we can see, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In other words, what is unseen. Some of you have been bumping up against a behavior and bumping up against a mentality and bumping up against a problem and an addiction, and and you think it's just something that I can will my way out of, but there might be a spiritual problem behind the problem it might not be what you think it is because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood and what we can't see. We wrestle against the the powers of darkness. And so I wanna make this point though. Yeah, the devil has some power, but only if we let him. Only if we let him. He needs permission. The devil needs a door. And so I just wanna talk about some doors for a minute. And if you ever wanna go deeper in this subject, we did a whole series called Doors probably three years ago now. And we talked about this very subject in a little more detail. But maybe the devil, I mean, I think he's crafty and and often he'll entice us with things that seem easy or innocent or maybe even in areas of pain. There's a pastor that was talking about a trip that he took to Haiti, the the island nation of Haiti. And if you know anything about Haiti or if you've been there, it is a dark place and there are voodoo temples everywhere. But one of the things that's interesting is he was talking to someone that lives there and they, they were describing the religious condition of Haiti And they said this, Haiti is 60% Protestant, 40% Catholic, and 100% voodoo. And so he started to ask why. He said, why do people go to this counterfeit if they know God? And he said this, the direct quote, he said, because God is slow and voodoo is fast. And so I just want to make this point that usually the reason we're tempted to go to these counterfeits is because they're easy, because it's quick, because I could maybe get what I'm looking for and take the shortcut. But there is no such thing as a shortcut when it comes to the spirit world and counterfeits will always cost you. Counterfeits will always cost you. So maybe the door is curiosity. Excuse me. Media glorifies this behavior and maybe it's even pain. I'll give you an example. This is the Long Island medium, Teresa Caputo. And so we've probably heard of her, people like her over the years, and she will say, hey, I can channel spirits of your, of your relatives and they can speak to you. So what is she doing? Well, I think she actually has good intentions. She's trying to help people in their pain because they miss someone that they care about and they would like to talk to them. And so she starts saying, hey, come, come to me. And, and I, she says it this way, spirit will tell me. Now, can I point something out? She's right on one level. She is talking to a spirit. It's just the wrong one. It's just not the Holy Spirit. How about this one? I just want to give this example for the parents. Vanessa Hudgens. I think the enemy is crafty, and rather than using somebody that's in their 40s or 50s or whoever it might be, he says, I'll use somebody that was a star in their generation because they're used to seeing them with their wand doing the Mickey Mouse ears, and they'll listen to them. Vanessa Hudgens is about to release a documentary, and it's called Dead Hot Season of the Witch. And it's a journey of exploration into witchcraft and ghosts, and she calls herself a self-taught witch. And I'm not going to go into it in great depth, but she did an interview with Kelly Clarkson, if you want to look it up. It's really fascinating, and she talks about her ability to speak to spirits. And so this is what she said, direct quote, "'The unknown is scary, but I recently was like, no, this is a gift.'" And again, can you see how counterfeits work? Taking the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a gift from God, and then a counterfeit spirit is trying to convince her that she has a gift. And so on some level, I believe that if she were a Christ follower, she would have a gift to be in tune with the real Holy Spirit. There's a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, and so therefore she interacts with counterfeits in their place. That's just my theory. Can't say that's Bible, but it's just my theory. And so this is something we have to see. She also says, She likes to speak to playful spirits at tombstones, and she found one in the documentary. And so I think she's a great person. And she says this. It's a lot about self-love and them finding their inner strength. So again, just counterfeits because God is love. And so it sounds good. It sounds pretty. But but the enemy comes disguised as an angel of light. And so we got to be careful about this. I can just tell you over the last couple of years as a pastor, there has been an uptick in how many people will come to me and ask, will you pray for my house? I'm seeing weird stuff. It feels demonic. Can you pray for my kids? I just had this happen a month ago. And so really what I try to do, I spend a lot of time trying to help people identify did I open a door to something? Like this is a real question for you. If you're struggling with some of that stuff and you feel like I'm having a hard time sleeping and I don't like going in this part of the house or I have I have done this or that, and it gives me the eebie-jeebies, and I don't know how to get rid of that feeling. Well, I want to just ask you to start looking for some doors. It might sound innocent, but have have you messed with Ouija boards, tarot cards, crystals? Do you watch horror movies and things that glorify the occult? Even in things like Harry Potter, I'm not going to tell you what to do and what to watch, I have watched Harry Potter but it's interesting to me because it gets us comfortable with saying spells and just things that I think we have to be careful about. And I won't judge you if you watch Harry Potter. I view that as a conscience issue. I would just say be careful especially with your kids. Be careful what we glorify or or calling darkness, light, or light, darkness. And here's a great book. I can't go into it any deeper than this, but if you want a great book, this is the most normal, not weird book I've read on the subject, okay? I, try, I really pride myself on not being weird when we talk about this, but it's called Playing With Fire, and it is a modern investigation into demons, exorcisms, and ghosts. And so if you want a balanced approach, they're gonna address the spirit, soul, and, and body, and they're gonna make sure you're not just dealing with a mental thing, but it's something that's deeper than that. It's spiritual, All right. So here's a question. I have people ask me this all the time. How do I know it's a counterfeit? How can I identify if it's a counterfeit? Here's the first thing you can do. Number one, a counterfeit cannot and will not glorify Jesus. They're allergic to it. And so look for the language. Do they talk about inner peace in the light, but then they they can't go there with you on the Jesus part? First John four, two says it this way. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Could it get any more simple than that? Don't you love the Bible? Like it has something to say on every subject. How about this? Number two, if I'm using it in place of the Holy Spirit, if I'm using something in place of the Holy Spirit, you can be sure it's a counterfeit. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. So if I'm going to anyone or anything to try to find comfort, that's a counterfeit comfort to the Holy Spirit. It's a counterfeit comfort. The Holy Spirit leads me, and he guides me in all truth. So do I need a horoscope if I have the Holy Spirit? No. It's it's a counterfeit to the real comfort. And this is not a new issue. The prophet Isaiah said this, someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead with their whisperings and mutterings, and they'll tell us what to do. And at the core, this is really what anybody turns to a counterfeit for. They want to know what to do. Where do I go? What direction do I take? Can the stars tell me? Can the spirit tell me? Can this person tell me? It's a legitimate need. But listen to this. I love how the Bible works. This is the answer. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? What's he saying? Anything other than the Holy Spirit is just a cheap imitation. It's just a cheap counterfeit to the real thing. A medium is really just a middleman, and they stand in between the unseen and the seen. And can I tell you something? Can I just remind you? You've got a middleman. His name is Jesus. He's a mediator, and he stands in between the Father and you on your behalf, and he bridges the gap between heaven and earth. We've got a medium. Can I give you a palm reading? Jesus took nails in the palms of his hands to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We don't need crystals when we have Jesus Christ. I could go on and on. I just want you to begin to identify what are the counterfeits that this culture is saying I need, and is it a cheap imitation of the real thing? And here's what I pray every person in here would begin to pray about in your own journey that you would pray about just being done with darkness, just saying, I'm a child of the light. I don't need that. There's better for me. There's a passage in Acts chapter 19, and this very thing happened. People were exposed to the power of the name of Jesus. And look what happens here. This is fun. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And keep in mind, this was a highly spiritualized culture. Many of them came out of occultic practices in their worship to idols. In the name of the Lord, Jesus was held in high honor, and many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. Verse 19, and I like this. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And there's debate on how much a drachma was, but it was a lot of money. Tens of thousands of dollars that they were laying at the altar. And here's the point. When we turn away from counterfeits and we say, I'm done with darkness, it might cost us something. Maybe it'll cost us our comfort. Maybe it'll cost us our reputation, because who talks like this anymore? but we're called to be peculiar people. We're different. There's something different about us than the world around us. Here's the third and final point. Counterfeits can't stand in God's presence. Counterfeits can't stand in God's presence. You want to hear part two of the story of Moses? If you haven't heard in a while, this is a good reminder. Yes, the magician's had a counterfeit power and it was real. Remember, Moses threw down his staff and it turned into a serpent. And then, remember, the magicians did the same thing. And I think there were two or three of them. But you remember what happened next? Moses' serpent ate up the other serpents. Go, Jesus, right? Like, this is just a picture of how God works and, and how much more power. Like, it's not even a competition, folks. It's not even close. And so when I talk to somebody that's fearful of the darkness, the only reason they're fearful is because they haven't surrendered to the light. They haven't surrendered to Jesus. And if God be for me, then who can be against me? This is the reality. There's an authority you have as a believer, and it's not in your own power, it's in his. There's a story, this is where I want to end. It's 1 Samuel 5.1. And it's the story of the Ark of the Covenant being taken into the temple of Dagon. And the Ark of the Covenant was this box, literally the presence of God. And it was pretty cool how God worked in those days. But the Israelites, they had, been, they had not been following Jesus, and the punishment for that is that God's presence, the Ark was taken from them. And so it's taken into this temple, and I want you to read with me what happens. This is the Philistines that have taken it. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. He was this big, imposing idol that they had made. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon, fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. That's good, man. Every knee will bow, even Dagon's, right? Like even, even Dagon's in the presence of God. But then get this, they're like, oh, this must have been like something weird that happened. I think the wind of the Holy Spirit blew through, in my personal opinion, and just went boop. <laughs> you know, like I don't think it was even a tough thing to do. And they took Dagon and put him back in his place but the following morning, this is good. you got to love the Bible's funny. you just got to read between the lines. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the presence of God, the ark of the Lord. And his head and his hands had been broken off and were lying on the threshold, and only his body remained. Can I just tell you something? Counterfeits cannot stand in the presence of God. Counterfeits cannot stand in the presence of God. And so here's, here's what I want to do. I just want to kind of drive this home and maybe just help you make it personal. There's, there's a story in the Bible, and it's talking about this person that was possessed. And th- this is interesting. They, they use the analogy, the picture of a house. Because we're a house of something, right? You, you, will, you will be filled with something. Whether it's the Holy Spirit or something else. And so there's deliverance that happens. The house, they, they use the metaphor that it was swept clean. But then this evil spirit went out to a dry and arid place in the wilderness. And it says it returns, and the house was found swept clean. It was still empty. So it went back, and it got seven of its other friends, and they were more wicked and evil than them in the first place. Now, why was it able to return to that house after it had been cleaned? Well, I believe because that house wasn't filled with the right thing. It's not enough just to eliminate spirits that aren't the Holy Spirit we have to then be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, then you won't gratify the lusts of the flesh. You have to do both. And so this is why I think some of us have walked up to altars a million times and left things there. But then a month later, six months later, when life hits, we pick that thing right back up because we never filled up with anything after we emptied ourselves of the wrong thing. I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and I just believe that the Holy Spirit's doing work right now and He's wanting to move in your life in such a real way. And so here's my encouragement to you. I'm just gonna invite you to do this. Darkness looks different for all of us. Some of us, man, we're we're just all in for Jesus. And but can I tell you it happens in layers? God allows his light to shine into our life in different layers, different levels. That's sanctification. And so I can tell you, even as I was preparing this message, God was just showing me, hey, Joe, that's a little bit of darkness. Get rid of that. That might even be okay for somebody else's conscious, but that's not okay for you. You're a child of the light. So if that's you, I just want you to, in in the privacy of this moment with God, I want you to surrender that thing to him. Some of you need to come up for prayer after this and somebody needs to pray with you and you need a battle plan. You need a strategy. Some of you need to put on the full armor of God so that when the enemy comes at you, you'll know what to do and you'll be able to withstand. All of us have a different assignment, but all of us need to surrender right now. Maybe even just say this. You can just be even under your breath, but say it with some confidence. Say, I'm done with darkness. I'm done with darkness. Holy Spirit, I thank you that now you would begin to make yourself real to every person here. Would you let your word come alive? And I pray for freedom in this place. I pray that if anyone has bought into the lie that they'll never be free, maybe, maybe you're even living in oppression and there are these demonic ideas in your head and I, I won't list them all, but you know what I mean. I think God just wants you to hear freedom is possible. It is for freedom that I set you free. So today, walk in it. So Lord, we speak freedom in this place. We pray that in the moments following this, that you would let it pop up in conversation, let it pop up at the weekly follow-up and connect groups and just be present in this place and continue to do work. And let's keep our heads bowed and eyes closed one moment more. The most important thing, this is the way that you truly encounter God through the Holy Spirit, is salvation. And I realize there's probably most of us in this room have prayed this prayer. But if you can't remember a moment in your life, not where you decided to come to church, not when you decided to become a member or be baptized, those are great things. But if you can't remember a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, not only do I acknowledge you as God, but I call you Savior and I call you Lord, and you're calling the shots. You're sitting in the driver's seat of my life. Man, today's the day. Bible says today is the day of your salvation. So I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you can pray this and mean it in your heart, the Bible says that a miracle takes place and your address changes from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You'll no longer be on your way to a place eternally separated from God called hell. You'll be on your way to a place eternally with Jesus in a place called heaven. And it's not by your works or anything you can do. You could never earn it It's a free gift. Can you pray this with me? And church, can you repeat after me? Let's help them together. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for his sacrifice in the free gift of salvation. I received that free gift. And I know I won't be perfect. I'll make mistakes. But every day, I'll follow you. I am a Christian. I am a child of the light. In Jesus' name.